2: Amazing Avenue audio listeners, welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 68 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig and I am joined this week by my lovely co hosts, Linda Servich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne.
0: He- Hello, Allison. Hello, Linda.
2: Hello. <laughs>
0: Sorry. I don't know why I do that seductive voice every time <laughs> I look
2: I'm not complaining, really. No, seriously. It's great. Kellyanne's had a few glasses of wine, everyone. So this should be a good podcast. Um, Boy, we're gonna start with um, really bad one. (laughs) We're gonna start with the Mets segment. We haven't podcasted since the Mets signed James McCann, so that is probably the biggest Mets news on the docket. Um, It's been the biggest signing that they've done this off season, aside from Trevor May. Although I mean, it's a bigger signing than Trevor May, but I would say they are kind of equivalent as far as like filling needs on the team and like constituting major signings um, so they have their catcher they the Mets opted to not go for JT Real Muto I don't think it was necessarily because of the price tag so much as Sandy Alderson kind of hinted at the he thought and he's not entirely wrong here that he thought that the JT Real Muto saga would drag out for most of the offseason we'll see if that ultimately comes to pass but that was kind of his thinking was he didn't want to wait around to be the last bidder on JT Romuto in the event that they lost out on him after bidding war with other teams. And then they were kind of left with nothing because James McCann surely would have signed with someone else by then. So I think Sandy Alderson just really wanted to tick that box uh, on the out. So um, I I don't know. I'm supportive of this signing. I like it. Um, Obviously, I would have liked to have JT real Muto because catcher is the biggest hole on the roster and the best catcher in baseball was available, so it was kind of like, this is a no-brainer, but his logic about, oh, it would have dragged out and then maybe we would have ended up with nothing makes a lot of sense, I think.
3: Like, I was fine with the signing when it happened. I was like, okay, cool, we got a catcher. But then his press conference, I was like, oh, hell yeah, we got a catcher. <laughs> his press conference
2: was <laughs> really good, I will say that.
3: It was. Like, I was trying to, like, run through a wall for him. And Strowman and, like, him have been tweeting back and forth. And I was like, oh, I love our online team. Like, it just adds, like, another layer to it, just seeing, just seeing the other side of it. And, um know like he seemed like Bradford friend of the show Bradford um asked a question I can't remember what it was but um I think it might have been about analytics
2: And no it was about looking at the um at the card the wristband the wristband yeah and he said he
3: he doesn't even use it and I thought that was like that was my favorite response by him that he's so prepared that he doesn't even need his wristband. He was like, "I could." So, he was like, "I also want to rely on what I'm seeing." And so it seems like he's a good fit for like both like the analytics and also just you know game feel. And you know that was evident. I mean, he caught Giolito's no hitter. Like you know, the, he he clearly works and is prepared and I'm very confident that. And he already knows Matts. So, and he's already like worked out with Matt's, which I think could be a huge, huge positive for this team if he can fix Mats.
2: Oh yeah, that would I be definitely ridiculous. agree with that. Imagine 100%. like I do think that, and I'm not saying that J.T. Realmuto would not done have done this because obviously J.T. Romito is heralded as both a fantastic offensive and a fantastic defensive catcher, but um, James McCann has had notable improvements in his framing ability over the past season and a half or so. And he was able to speak articulately during the press conference on where those improvements are coming from and what actual tangible things he did to make those improvements, which is an indication that they are not a fluke that it's that these that because the, the framing stats are not perfect and also take a pretty long time to stabilize. So it's hard to be like, just look at the framing numbers. He has like one season where he's a really good framer, and you're like, eh, I don't know about that. But he was able to speak on exactly what he did, which is really nice, especially at the bottom of the zone. Actually, it's a very similar tactic to what Wilson Ramos did, although Ramos was less successful at it, Um, But (laughs) as we all know. um, But he he does the same thing that Ramos did toward the end of his Mets tenure, where he goes down on one knee. You'll see it. I'm sure you guys will all see it in the game, and if you've watched James McCann catch before, you've seen it. He goes down on one knee, and that lets him more effectively steal strikes at the bottom of the zone, um, which is really, really good to see. And I think, you know, prioritizing a guy like that that has those skills for this pitching staff will be really nice because we've all seen Wilson Ramos over the past two years and how frustrating that's been as much as I like loved Wilson Ramos as a guy like it was really frustrating to watch him behind the plate and watch him like straight up drop drop strikes from Jacob deGrom that then get called balls Mm. it's like hopefully that won't happen anymore (laughs) come on now behind the plate (laughs) it's like come on
3: now I can't remember Um, where I saw it, but uh, I wish I remember. But the Mets were in the bottom five and getting strikes called in the bottom of the zone. Yes. And so can you imagine Jacob deGrom, like, getting calls? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Imagine Jacob deGrom getting calls. (laughs) Getting the calls and being more elite than he already is.
0: I know. It's just like, can he get better? Really? <laughs> you probably can. Yeah. Um, I, I love the McCann signing. Um, Allison, I agree with you in that Sandy didn't want to, like, wait around for JT Realmuto. But I disagree with the fact that he is our biggest need. I think starting pitching is the – well, not just starting pitching. Pitching in general is the biggest need at this point just because our staff is so – Injury prone. Um, we had a lot of issues this year due to the pandemic, um, with pitchers opting out or pitchers just n- completely not performing, like Matts. Um, so that is where I think our focus should go, or the team's focus should go next. Personally, um, but I love I love the savviness of the McCann signing and kind of the foresight I think Sandy had in in. Recognizing that Real Muto is going to be popular, um, they weren't necessarily going to be the winners, and going out and finding a great alternative for him. So
2: yeah, for sure. I hope this works out. I mean, obviously, giving a guy like McCann, who, who I I think will be good. Don't get me wrong, I'm not down on him by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I think giving a guy like him who hasn't had the track record that JT Muto has had a four-year deal does carry a bit of risk I'm not saying that it's yeah I agree or that they shouldn't have yeah. done it but it does there is some risk there so it'll be interesting to see how it works out but I am optimistic I'm I think it's a good optimistic.
0: risk yeah I think it's a good risk
2: yeah I mean, um, even and if he... especially since he speaks
0: so knowledgeably about his position yeah. and what he's done and working. He's had experience, prior experience with uh, some members of the staff. So and I'm curious to see how he's going to work with the members that he hasn't worked with. I feel like just really want to see how he works with Jacob deGrom.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's really all
0: I'm waiting for.
3: Well, and even if his offense isn't real, because, you know, he got non-tendered, which he did speak. Uh, which he did speak on, too, about how, you know, that actually really helped him. And he said it again today. Um, He did an interview with Marisol Castro, and he said, you know, having failed helps him because he can talk to other guys who are struggling and been like, hey, I've been there. I got non-tendered. It sucked. Um, But even if the offense was a mirage or he got lucky, which, you know, doesn't seem to be because, again, he worked really hard at it, and you can see he made changes to his stance. So it might be real, but, you know, even if he just brings, you know, like we said, if he can help the pitching staff, if he can throw runners out, if he can, you know, call a good game, you know, when's the last time the men's had that? And you can find offense elsewhere. You can sign Springer. You can... You know, there's other options, so you can survive if he's just okay at the plate instead of, you know, what he was. What in 2019? I think he was an all-star. Um, so I but think even yeah. So I think he's. No. They just need him to be good defensively, and I think that's the most important thing.
2: I mean, and not I be me, think... Tomas Nido with the bat. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so no, like, I mean, but I think.
0: I think he can improve his uh, batting just because the Mets were a very—oh, my God, I can't remember if I'm completely BSing this right now—but the Mets were a very offensive, offensively productive team this past year. And granted, it's the pandemic, but um, save for Pete Alonso, pretty—and Pete Alonso picked it up in the second part of the season. Um it
3: it's really bad with runners in scoring position. That's what it came down. Yeah. To yeah.
0: Oh, oh, it was like, rough. really bad. It was rough for, for a while there, but like, again, just going off, going off uh, a tangent for a second, Pete, it was like the best possible time, ironically and silver liningly for him to have a slot, sophomore slump in a shortened season that you can just put down to so many unique circumstances, um, and hopefully he'll turn it around this year. I have faith that he will.
3: Yeah, because he's, he was he so sad. Like a,
0: but he seems like another one like McCann who will rise from the um failure. Um, which which is something else I really like about McCann. I liked that character where oh my god, I'm non tender, but I'm not gonna be like agitated or depressed about it or let me let it get me down I'm just gonna work harder so another team will sign me so and he turned that into a four-year deal so good for him I am excited I'm just really excited about him
2: and I mean his situation of being non-tendered and being on the brink of his major league career ending and turning things around is certainly not unprecedented like we have players as heralded as JD as uh as JD Martinez who like whose career is borderline <laughs> over before he turned it around. So, you know, it can happen. Um, that said, like Linda said, a provide given the fact that the Mets are pretty are a pretty good offensive team as the roster is currently constructed, I am not super concerned about, you know, um about McCann needing to fill a need in the lineup, although what I will say about that is that the Mets are heavily left-handed, and he is right-handed, and so he is meant to, in part, balance the lineup in that way, but that is hopefully where George Springer will come in or D.J. Mayhew or whatever. As long as they sign one more uh-huh. big bat, then I'm far less concerned about what James McCann will produce at the plate um, than I am yeah. about his defensive skills. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, the pitchers seem excited about throwing to him. I think it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously Noah Syndergaard is not going to start the season with the team. Um, there, There was news that came out that Sandy said he expects him to be back around June is the current estimation. But, obviously, with Tommy John recoveries, you never know. Things can happen. He can be ahead of schedule or setbacks can happen. We'll see, Um, but it'll be particularly interesting to see how Syndergaard takes to him because we all know (laughs) how Syndergaard has had some issues throwing to certain catchers in the past and (laughs) has expressed, not to say that like, I I don't think he was necessarily in the wrong there, but like he he has just expressed preferences, we'll say, and has not been shy about sharing them. Um, So, you know, um, hopefully the pitching staff, at least Stroman seems really excited to throw to him. Hopefully the other pitchers feel the same way. Um, so it'll be exciting to see.
0: Yes, quite.
2: But, um, on the pitching front, as Kellyanne mentioned, um, starting pitching is another eee! is another really big um, another really big need for the Mets this off season. Um, and we... I'm really excited about this rumor that we're about to talk. about. I know, uh... I know. So we recently learned um, from Joel Sherman of the Post. Um, that the Mets are reportedly in on Tomoyuki Sugano, who is a Japanese pitcher, the the best pitcher in Japan, um, who was posted by the Giants, I think he was on the, um, yeah, 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 he was on the Yumuri Giants, um, and he has won the, um, equivalent in Japan of the Cy Young Award two times in Japan, um, so he is like widely considered to be the best pitcher in Japan. So he was posted. So he is now available to MLB teams to sign. Um, and reportedly, according to Sherman, the Mets are um, in in the running, um, or at least they've like talked to him. Um, they've been they have now been officially connected.
0: Sign him, Mets.
2: That would be sign so him great. <laughs> Find him Mets
0: please.
2: I was talking to
3: a couple of people on Twitter about this. Um I think it was in response to a Vaz tweet um about how it's been so long since the Mets have been like in on any international free agents. Like when, and whenever you heard, you know, like anybody, um whether it be um, Otani or um, Puig or Zesprius—it was always crickets from the Mets, um, and it shouldn't have been that way. Like you're you're in the largest market in the in baseball. Like why aren't you in on these guys? So it's just because nice that, they were owned by the
0: Wilpons.
3: Yeah, well, but so it's just a nice change of pace that like. This is a
0: real possibility. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm still getting used to the fact that we're not nickel and diming or the Mets are not. I'm sorry. I keep saying we, mm. this is what happens when I'm a little inebriated. Um, that the team isn't nickel and diming at things anymore. I'm still getting used to that fact. Yeah. That it, it's, a, it's a reality, but right. it's just still so weird.
2: It's a huge (laughs) change. It's a huge change from the previous regime, and it's not just and it's not just because Steve Cohen is perhaps not being cheap finally. Um, It's not just that. It's the fact that the Wilpons have this attitude where, you know, they tried in Kaz Matsui to dip their toe into the international market that didn't end up working out for them so they kind of just like shut themselves off to it because the Wilpon mentality was like oh this didn't work out for us the one time so we're done with that forever we're not doing these Japanese free agents anymore but like so they really after Kaz Matsui went poorly for them they really stopped even like paying attention to that market the mets were never a factor and it wasn't just because of money although that was you know part of it it was the fact that they had been burned once so they just instead of doing the smart thing understanding that every player is different and these are a case-by-case basis sort of thing um They just decided that these things were not things that were going to work out for them. And they kind of just shut themselves off to it. So it's nice to have a new regime that doesn't have that, you know, past hanging over it to give these things a try, potentially. Now, obviously, we don't know to what extent the Mets are pursuing Sugano. This is just the very first rumor. But this would be fantastic news. I would be so happy if they signed him because that would be a huge plus um, if they could sign him and maybe like one other of the like second tier free agent pitchers that are available like an Odorizzi or or Tanaka or Quintana I would be very pleased. Um
0: with I, mean, and I, I, I think the I made a comment I have to find it in the on on Amazon on the regular Amazon Avenue morning news. Uh let me find it.
3: Well, Hang on. I also feel like this kind of goes with what Porter was saying in his um, introductory press conference. I, I can't remember. Did we cover that? Did that happen? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, we did cover that. Oh, we hired God. a
2: GM, everyone. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, we I didn't put that GM. in the show notes. i a, a fairly <laughs> um, But he was, he seemed um, pretty, I don't want to say adamant, but he was, um, I don't even know what, like I, I've had mine too, um, <laughs> um, but he was talking about the pitching and how you need quality starters. Like, and it goes beyond your starting five. And you need like quality, like six, seven starters. So I feel like maybe he was hinting at
2: this. Yeah, um, I mean, Jared Porter interest, and because... Sandy Alderson were certainly talking like guys who weren't necessarily interested in Lugo being the starter, that's for sure, which is yeah. good. It's a good Yeah, pick.
3: they didn't, they don't want, like, let's just throw guys out there and see what happens, like a Rick Porcello and, like, hope he's okay. Um, they seem to actually want, like, quality arms that they could rely on. Uh, again, like, the Dodgers model. They keep going back to the Dodgers, Um And I mean, and the Dodgers had, you know, they had Kershaw, um, they had Bueller, like they could just keep throwing guys at you and look at where, where it got them. And so, you know, you're going to need, yeah, um, Stroman and Jake are a good one-two punch, but you need guys beyond them. And especially with the Braves, if you want to go toe-to-toe with the Braves, their pitching staff is really freaking good and really young. So they're going to be good for a while. Um, so um, the Mets need to find pitching somewhere
0: that isn't he who must not be named.
2: Yes. Um, yes. Yeah,
0: so here was my, here was my comment on, this is from, wait a minute, December 19th. It was the first comment in the morning news. Um, I said that I loved the cam Op signing, the minor league signing. Mostly just because he's British. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. Um, but then I said uh, we should get Yuki Sugano, Masahiro Tanaka, Jake Odorizzi. And I went like really banana saying we should get one other major league starting pitcher. <laughs> and don't worry, I will address that because somebody commented, you're rolling with a seven-man rotation. You yep. need them. But yeah. I, was like, I was like, you need this depth. Um, and then I said, get three pitchers that can be signed to a minor league contracts with invites to spring training and major league bonuses, like Jared Eichhoff. at Eckhoff. I'm sorry if I'm yeah, pronouncing Eikhoff. it Yeah, Jared Eichhoff. Um, so if you could get like one or two more pitchers like that, since we don't know, I like him up, but we really don't know how he's going to perform yet. But, um, who did I say? I did go later in that thread Kluber? to say, I think. Zach Godley. Oh yeah. Someone someone said Kluber. I did not. Um Urania was another one. Um mm. Chris mm. Archer was a suggestion. I personally am wary of him just because of his shoulder issues. Yeah, he he's Harvey screaming all over him. Yeah, he's uh, he's
2: wait. he might be done though.
0: That breaks my heart personally, because I okay. like Archer. Um Kitana is mentioned walker's mentioned Yeah, walker
3: uh, i think i would take a chance
2: oh at. yeah walker would be a really interesting um like kind of flyer pick i agree although I, old castillo might be
3: available on the tree but oh I yeah really i mean know. well that would <laughs> cost but,
0: yeah that would, that, cost that would be so much and i would not be like personally if i was sandy allerson which i'm not caveat disclaimer i'm not um i would not pay whatever price he was asking for that because it's going to be a lot yeah like and we we don't have any prospects to begin with i mean we'll see how it
2: develops because obviously it's they're kind of they're you know they're portraying desperation so they don't necessarily have leverage here in these situations with these trades that they want to make um True. but that said as of right now the price is rumored to be quite high and the Mets don't really have the prospect capital to
3: and Sandy trade. has even said he doesn't he doesn't seem to want to deplete the farm system anymore so well, I was gonna say there's yeah. much of a farm system to begin with I mean so what... I don't think he's gonna go that route
2: I mean, the only way I could see the Mets going that route for any of these guys, not just Castillo, like Arenado, Lindor as well. The only way I could see any of those happening is if they sign someone, like, if they if they end up with Springer or LeMahieu or one of the other major free agents, and then they're able to trade from the major league roster. Um, yeah. And uh, and make that no. the centerpiece of the deal. But absent that, I don't People see. People not
0: named JD Davis. <laughs> I know, but like that's the. I won't lie on the AA comments. Like, that's the first name that comes no. up in trade discussions, well, which is Sandy, really frustrating.
3: Yeah, Sandy has mentioned him twice as their third baseman. He said they have depth at third. Okay, so I'm going to take that and roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sandy's being well, agree very with you. defensive of him, so uh, that makes me feel a little better.
1: <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg.
2: the There are kind of two two like small rumors right now there's no like springer there's no major Springer news since the last time we talked like Let's do it. the Mets are still in on him. they keep being connected to him all the like talking heads keep saying the Mets are you know connected but, to him
0: but no springer news has sprung up but no, no. springer
2: news has sprung the Mets like the, it doesn't seem they haven't used those word those buzzwords they always use when signings are about to happen like intensifying <laughs> like they <laughs> haven't used like those sorts of words yet um but there was like a small nugget of reporting from jeff passan of espn and in, in one of his like subscriber only articles that said that the mets are rumored to be one of the two favorites for him still along with the blue jays but it's kind of but no one's actually like said it, nothing seems remotely imminent at this time like,
3: i don't understand what the issue is like springer wants money and the men's have money yeah just
2: just throw him so, the goddamn bag the like home? what are we waiting for like just give him whatever money he wants <laughs> like i don't care like come on yeah. man yeah. um but we did you just hear blue days would be embarrassing <sighs> yeah that would be embarrassing um, we did just hear shortly before the pod earlier today um, th- that we heard, like, a very, very light DJ LeMay rumor, I'll put <laughs> it that way, a, a light rumor. It was it was something just, like, the Mets have reached out to him. And, like, one of those ones that, like, but- I think it was Jeff Paternostro said this was clearly leaked by his agent. Like, one of those, like, maybe the Mets texted him. and But now, of course, like, because it's the New York media, it's like, Mets and Yankees gonna war over DJ LeMahieu. it's like a, I don't know man. but I mean Yankees. I think that's
0: leverage I think that's just leverage for discussions with the Yankees yeah absolutely, absolutely.
2: the Mets are being leveraged.
0: that's 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 all I think that is I don't think there's any truth to that rumor or any like substance to that other than hey they did their due diligence diligence in calling him and just seeing and then being like okay that's it
3: well it's I mean, like, like, you know, you you broke up with your ex and then now you're like, hey, I'm <laughs> with this like hot new like hey girl team. Like I'm interested in this hot new team. What are you gonna do about it? Yeah, and exactly.
2: Stuff. Just like just like get pay a which, model pay a model to show your ex their Instagram pics.
0: <laughs> which I won't lie, I like the fact that the Mets have become like this desirable destination team.
3: We're the
0: hot it's, model. It's it's just right now, I know it's in kind of the honeymoon stage, but I like the fact that, hey, players want to come here and the the, even atmosphere, make too. the atmosphere and the, no, that's not the right word I'm looking for,
3: Exciting. the general
0: tone around excitement. That's also not the word I'm looking for. The general tone and tenor around the team is just so positive right now.
3: I is mean, good. Steve Cohen has directly led to both McCann and Stroman being on this team right now. Yeah,
2: yes. absolutely. Because
3: both of them have specifically mentioned him. So, yes. I mean, granted, Cohen hasn't really done anything yet, but but,
0: but the even effect like is Cinder- real. Even Syndergaard said it would be like, I think he said it, like, it will be nice to have an owner that treats the players like actual people.
2: Yeah,
0: I think he was the one that said that. Yes. He I was- wouldn't so, be
2: surprised. <laughs> yeah,
0: he like, no, I gotta find that tweet now
2: it was it was a fire tweet, not gonna lie. I mean knowing oh, like, so much, so yeah, has Steve Cohen actually done all that much yet? No, but I wrote an article about this recently for amazing Avenue, and like not to like you know derail the entire conversation too much. but I think it deserves a mention is that alongside so it was kind of a flurry of activity, like all within the span of like 24 to 48 hours they signed mccann and they hired jared porter and then the thing that got kind of lost in the shuffle because it wasn't nearly as big of a news item as those other two things is that there was like a an event at city field for season ticket holders and steve mm. cohen showed up in person with his wife himself to hand out like giveaways because um, they were handing them out like bobbleheads and stuff like that um But the fans did not expect Cohen there. That was, like, a surprise. And so he just, like, you know, like, the season ticket holders, like, rolled up to City Field in their car, and there's, like, Steve Cohen with a, a Mets logo mask on, like, handing them bobbleheads. And, like, yeah, is that, like, a major news item? No. But is it symbolic? Yes. I think it is. I think it's a complete change in tone from the previous regime to make yourself accessible to fans the way he has. It's already. He's already made himself more available to the fans than the than the Wilpons did in their entire tenure.
3: And he's doing a Q and A with Howie Rose, I think, tomorrow. Yeah, like what? Oh, Over- so, yeah, he's yeah. still he's That's still him, keeping yeah. up with it. It's not for like. Granted, we're still in the honeymoon phase, but you know he hasn't he hasn't strayed from it. And I used that it.
2: exact phrase in the article window. The
0: I just hope this doesn't come back to like bite him somehow. I don't know, because I'm still very wary of his background. Um, but I'll just I'll roll with the positive vibes right now. But and here's here's the tweet. I kind of misquoted it a little bit. Noah Syndergaard tells the Post, "All I plead is that the new owner treats players and personnel in the organization like people." And less like expendable commodities. That being said, I couldn't be more excited having the real life Bobby Axelrod leading the chart, leading the charge. And for those of you that may not have access to Showtime or watch the show, Bobby Axelrod is the main character in Billions, um, who is who Steve Cohen inspired, pretty yep. much.
2: So- Did he
3: change his um,
0: Twitter bio
3: too to like include Cohen?
2: Oh yeah, Sendegaard, yeah, he did. It, it was like Let's a Wait it was up. like a bit. He he changed it to like, oh, what was
0: it? Dear Steve Cohen, hi, I'm Noah. Some yeah. people call me Thor. I'm a Met <laughs> working at working out in Florida and I just want to win for Mets fans just like you.
2: That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, so I mean Oh like- my god.
3: I've really missed Noah,
0: I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> me
3: too. Wait a
2: minute. Oh my
0: can I just say, um St- when Steve Cohen Tweeted, "Let's take a vote, Carvel, Carvel, or black jerseys." And Noah Syndergaard apparently tweeted back, "Neither, play shirtless." Play shirtless,
3: yeah. And then Jerry Blevins went back and forth because then Blevins said, "Not in April,"
0: (laughs) and then he was like, "You again?"
3: (laughs) And then he goes, "You
0: missed me." Can, I was going to say, can I just say, I am like thrilled with the Jer- Jerry Blevins I minor league Yeah, well, that's signed Jerry Blevins to so cool. a minor
2: league deal, everyone, and this podcast. Happy. Is I verklempt.
0: hope he, he breaks with the major league roster. I yes. do too. I remember. want him to break camp with the major league team.
2: Positively verklempt about that whole we, situation. We
0: love Jerry. This is a. Pro Jerry Blevins podcast. This
2: is a Pro Jerry Blevins <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, so I guess the final Mets item that I didn't write in the show notes because I'm a gigantic failure is that the Mets did hire a GM um, <laughs> Jared Porter. He was just tired, We're busy. Which you know, so I won't. Be, I won't claim to be an expert on these things. I am not one that has like super like strong takes about. Um, about, front, about GM candidates, about the front office, not because I don't care, but just because I don't feel like I know enough to have really strong takes on it. But I will say that people who are much smarter than me have said that Jared Porter is widely considered to be kind of the hottest GM candidate who did not already have that title or higher. Um, so, like, of the folks who di- didn't already have, like, a president of baseball ops title or something like that, um, he is widely considered to be one of the best options. So, you know, I'll uh, take, I'll take the word of people who are much smarter than me on that. I, 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 like Linda said, his, his introductory presser was good, just like McCann's was. So, like, I don't know. I'm happy. Well, I will lie. Have- Brody's he's not a car charm. salesman, uh, like, yes. freaking player agent, so. That's what no. right. I
3: was, like, I said, I think I said this in Slack, I was like, he doesn't have any of Brody's charm, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Right. Like, he, he just looks look like, like, like from, like, something. knowledge, not like, I have to dress this up and make it sound good.
2: And, See, like, it's very much Brody's Sandy's charm? guiding hand Ch- with him there, you know.
0: See, Brody's charm to me was not really charm. It was smarminess. Um, and one really shallow kind of, not shallow, but superficial kind of thing I liked about Jared Porter was that he kept his head level with the laptop he was zooming on. <laughs> um, it's such a weird thing, but it's a detail I immediately noticed just because I get very frustrated when I see people looking down to the computer and their necks are down and he didn't he had his laptop level with him like he wanted to talk directly to us so really shallow note that put him that was a big plus in my column for
3: him my shallow note was it was so glaring to see like when they would cut from sandy to him like, Sandy had, like, these, like, little tchotchkes. Oh, my God, and, like, Oh, my God. Yeah, and, I like, the evil, Sandy. like, elf behind him that was, like, about to, like, kill somebody. And, like, the grandma's, like,
2: plates. Obviously, oh, these but, dolls are going to straight up give me nightmares, man. Yeah. What are you doing out here? Like, they're going to so It was so they, like, trollish. I love
3: people? it. <laughs> But then it would cut to Porter, and he has like this modern living room, like everything's white and like it's strong. very sleek and, and... Yeah, sleek and like a huge TV on the back. <laughs> so it was like it was just kind of symbolic of their front office right now, like the old school and the new school, <laughs> and with evil
2: elves thrown in. <laughs> I forget. I'm sorry. What, I forget who tweeted it. I love, think it might have been. I think it might have been Rich but it was but he tweeted a picture of Jared Porter and was like he has extremely like little league dad standing on the third baseline energy and i <laughs> completely agree with that yeah
0: like, i agree with that too yeah
2: like wearing the under armor hoodie and like and the and the like and the you know the like golf sunglasses like <laughs> um, oh, but also
0: now that now that Sandy is back with the Mets, I want to see him. I want to see his Twitter account reactivated. Yeah, I know that'd be great. The, at Mets, he,
2: he says he's going to to change the handle. Yeah. You
0: no, know, and I think it's actually going to be better, and because he is Sandy Unleashed now. Yeah, pretty well, I much. Saw him. He is not.
3: It was on like Mets hot stove or something, and they asked him, "Has he spoken to Michael Conforto about a possible accept- extension?" And yes, he was please. like, "And he was like, well, you know, you know how Boris is." And he was like, "You know, we'll have discussions." And he goes, "And hopefully, those will go beyond food
0: metaphors." <laughs> oh my God, I love him so much. Way like, to
3: go, Sandy.
0: I love him so freaking much.
3: I was like, just to get that like little jab in there to Boris. It's like, oh, thank you, Sandy.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I love him so much.
2: Yep, and like it's like I said before, it's clear that like Jared Porter is here under the guidance of Sandy Alderson, and he is kind of being you know like being coached to eventually move up to be like more of a president of baseball operations sort of situation. So. We shall and see think, how that works out, but I, he I do, mean, I he's, think he's got a great Porter has a great reputation in baseball, and so you know that's good enough for me. <laughs> well,
3: and that was the I, thing I, too. I, Everybody was talking about like the Phillies and hiring Sam Fold, but this Mets job was you know much more attractive because you know Sandy's not going to be here forever, and
2: yeah, you <laughs> know you're going to be in his. Job you're going to move years. up. Years, yeah. So yeah. yeah, the
3: Phillies, I don't know, could guarantee that like the Mets could
2: yeah I mean Dombrowski they hired Dombrowski and he's gonna be there for a long time probably yeah um but okay but um I think I think the whole big
0: thing though is that whoever the front office staff may be they're gonna going to have more autonomy in this regime than during uh, than then they did under the previous owners
2: well, Sandy Which I will. think I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know a, like, how much autonomy Porter will have when it comes to reporting to Sandy, but we'll see.
0: I don't know. I feel, I just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we can't say, we can only speculate. And I'm going to just speculate that, I mean, he's obviously going to need guidance and he's obviously going to be coached and mentored. But I think he still will have some freedom into... Trades, trade discussions and what goes on with the team. Um, rather than ha- having to run through the owners to approve everything.
2: Or and, I do run think, through, and I do think Sandy's you know, at the stage smash, of his career where he's like, I don't bond. need to be in the weeds on this stuff anymore.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, like, let's say the Mets sign Springer. Who gets the credit? Is it Porter? Is it Sandy? Is it Colin? Like, who did it? All, I think it's all of
2: them. All of the above. Yeah. I think all it's a little Colin A, a little Colin B, a little <laughs> Colin C. It's um, a team
0: effort. It's a team effort.
2: But, yeah, we'll see what happens with the rest of the Mets off season moving forward. But they have a catcher. But, but it's just, it's
0: exciting that we have a winter season where we can make all this speculation and have this to talk about. Yeah, because in seasons yeah. past, we didn't do this.
3: No, it's Absolutely. been quite a long time. Probably like what since they signed Beltran. Oh my god, that's such a long time. Um,
2: Granderson, Grandy I like was a good, yeah.
3: That's but... bit of, well, like, when they re-signed Cespedes.
2: Yeah, but like never like. But those were all these yeah, things is... at once.
0: Once, yeah, it was only like one of these deals at a time like uh, Granderson in 2014, Cespedes after 2015. It was never like, oh, we're going to get a Springer. Oh, we're going to sign pitchers too. Oh, we're going to do a catcher too. So they're doing all of these things kind of in a way that will positively, hopefully, affect the major league roster. Um, and if they sign some more pitchers for the minor league, will shore up some death depth in the minor league system. Which is sorely lacking right now.
2: Yep. Agree. Um, so we will move on to our baseball segment. We have a couple. And of- I will
0: take another sip of my wine.
2: Excellent. <laughs> and we, ha- we have a couple of major items to cover. Across baseball. Um, that have happened in the past couple weeks. Um, the first one being that. Um, the Cleveland baseball team. As I am now calling them. Uh, for the time being. Is changing its name. Um, so obviously. Bad time. The- the te- uh, Although, like, I kind of wonder if they, like... Like, <laughs> it makes me think of Prince and changing his name to a symbol. I wonder if, like, if <laughs> Cleveland will just change their name to a symbol and then will it'll be, like, the artist formerly known as the Indians. Um, no, they'll change their name to, like, the Chief Wahoo symbol. That's how, yeah, oh, like, yeah. out of touch they are. Freaking, yeah. Anyway, so... But they are long overdue, finally changing their name. Um, they had kind of, you know... They kind of hinted at this because they had gotten rid of the Chief Wahoo imagery before this and changed, like, their hats back to just, like, the Block C. Um, Obviously, the fans, plenty of the fans are still wearing Chief Wahoo stuff. Um, And some of them are even showing up in full, you know, tribal garb. Oh, lovely. Which I hope that they do a better job at, like, cracking down on in the future because you know it's going to keep happening. It's going to be even worse now. Um, people are going to show up in full-on freaking red face to the goddamn stadium, and I hope that they just don't let them in. <laughs> they can just yeah. be like, you can leave now, thanks. Um, Turn around, go home. Yeah, so they're finally changing their like racist imagery and racist team name, which is great. Who knows what they'll change it to. They're, they're, like, I, I don't understand how you could watch the the Washington football team, as they are now known, go through this and not... <laughs> And not, like, you know, learn from it at all. Because the Washington what? football team was like, we are changing our name. We don't know what it's going to be yet. Right now we're just the Washington football team. And Cleveland did the That's exact same thing. They were like, we don't have a name ready. It's like, how do you announce a name change if you have a new name
3: ready? Well, it didn't, didn't they say they were, they were kind of contemplating,
0: like, the tribe or something? It's like, no. No, we're, like, we're like we're pivot we're not
2: completely away. I they were... <laughs>
0: I thought they were contemplating their former name, the Spiders.
2: That's what I
3: heard. That's more fans want
2: that. I've seen a lot of fans want that.
3: Yeah, the fans want that. But Dolan came out and said um, they were considering, like, tribe, but after he thought about it, he decided it was a bad idea. I keep forgetting
2: he owns that team. (laughs) And then remembering and laughing.
3: Yeah, like, the whole Dolan family is just, like, awful people. (laughs) Uh, because he's cousins with the infamous james dolan who owns the
2: nixon Uh rangers um oh dear so yeah i mean like good it's way overdue but again completely bungling it i like i just like and they were going to donate
3: money like from their like like any i forget what they're they were gonna donate money from something but it's like they don't want the money from like they don't want no, like proceeds from racist
2: caricatures. Right. Right. Exactly. It's like just just change your name and shut up about it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Move say- on and
3: the
0: Braves, hello. Yeah I, I was gonna say
2: You next the, assholes. I, I,
0: think, I think the two of the two teams that have um Native American names, which I'm not Native American, but Indians always has bothered me as an Italian, just because it was an Italian who didn't know that he didn't get to India, and then ugh,
3: called so the people basically
2: dumbass. I,
3: yes. Like, let's be real.
0: <laughs> um,
3: and Among like, other go, things. Cue I mean, the, going off the,
2: cue the uh, YouTube video of the Sopranos episode about Columbus. Anyway. And,
0: and, and I was going to say, And if you guys really want to celebrate in Italian, how about the guy that has two continents named after him, Amerigo Vespucci. So um, yeah, I have many thoughts and feelings on Columbus, but that said, I'm getting off tangent. Of the two baseball teams that have Native American names, to me, I find the Braves much more offensive, if that's the right word, um, or problematic. I think that's a better word, problematic. Um, Just just because of the, A, the connotations of the name, B, the culture that has built from it, like the Tomahawk chop. Oh my God, I can't That's stand it. the chop.
2: Yeah, mostly just get rid of the chop. Just I get rid of like...
3: the chop. chop, which they admitted was wrong when they wouldn't play it for when Flaherty was pitching. So it's like, you know it's wrong, but apparently it was only wrong like when Flaherty was in the game, but other times it was acceptable. It was fine.
2: I don't think there's as much like public outcry for the Braves to change their name, although like I, I don't think I don't think people would complain if they did. I think that they should. But I don't think there's I as could... much like like really strong outcry for them to change their name as there is for the Indians, just because not only is the Indians name racist, it's also like a complete misnomer, as Kellyanne is pointing out. Um and Chief Wahoo is like a very racist caricature, as is the as is the Chop. But like the Braves don't have a logo like that that has a completely, like, red-faced Indian, like, mascot. But they should still get rid of the chop. At least get rid of the chop. At least get rid of the chop. It's atrocious. Which is a complaint,
0: yeah, which is a complaint that many, well, at least many Mets fans have had over the years.
2: Being at that stadium but- is horrible because of it, and I can speak from experience. A. It's a terrible stadium experience because you're just like, it's, it's so loud. They play it for everything and Mm -hmm. uh, it's the worst. It's the worst. I I hate going there. I, I've been there a few times. My aunt lives in Atlanta. And so I've been to a few Braves games and it's just horrible uh, because of the chop. It sucks. Get rid of the chop.
3: But like, and it's not even like we've mentioned this before. It's not even unique to them. No. Like no. a college team does it. The Chiefs do it. So it's
0: like not even yours. Wait, which college is it? Which college team does it? Is it? Is it Florida? Might be. Is it the Seminoles? Yeah, that's Florida. Yeah, that's I think Florida State. Wait, let me check. Yes, I'm the so gamers. bad with
3: colleges.
0: I know. I like especially when they're known for college football. Well, because yeah, I, I, I just have no Florida, interest in
3: college sports. So
0: it's Florida State, the Florida State Seminoles. Okay. Which I think there was there was an argument in the comments on AA about that today too that we had to hide. Oh god, <sighs>
3: but it's not hard. Just do the right thing.
2: Yeah, like well, I
3: guess it is hard for some. And they people, issued but...
2: like, and it was one of those other. It's it's another thing where that like they right after they like announced the name change, they like issued that statement about yes. like, the best path forward. And again, it was just like so like. These team statements are almost universally bad all the time. Like, who writes these? They're, they're really, shallow. They're, the they're shallow firm. and bad and don't actually address the issue. And it's just like, just change the name but, and shut up and move on. <laughs> I mean, and
0: I, th- but I think that's how the majority of fans are. They're very superficial and don't go into depth about things. Um, and I think we're going to see that when we talk about our next thing, but I won't get into that yet. But, um, I don't know many sports fans in general, other than, you know, our little bubble at a, at amazing Avenue that really take the time to go in depth and analyze like the social effect, um, um, on a macro level that we do. It's just very shallow. It's, it's, Hey, what can you do for me? Are you winning? Are you losing? And that's it.
3: Well, people get so tied up with their teams; it becomes their identity, and like they take it as like a personal attack. Like, how dare you? Like, say this is wrong. Like,
2: yeah.
3: And it's they can't see beyond that it's theirs. And yes, so it's like selfishness is just tied into it, and like agree. You know, take a look outside yourself and just you know your,
0: your and, own and, world view and that's pers- and I think that's like exactly it people don't people I'm good this might be like a bit of a an ish, like a controversial statement but I feel like Americans in particular don't take the time to look behind but beyond themselves often in many aspects of society and I will leave it at that <laughs> I think that's all that needs to be said. Inebriated Thoughts by Kellyanne.
2: (laughs) I would buy that book. I would buy that that book. Inebriated
0: Introspection. Ugh,
3: am I going to show my age if I say Deep Thoughts by Jack Andy?
0: No. But then, then again, maybe I'm showing my age and that. I don't think saying I don't think you're showing your age. <laughs> oh my God, I don't even know if that makes sense.
3: Oh, can I title the podcast "Inebriated Thoughts"? <laughs>
0: yes, please. Any no, God. inebriated introspection. <laughs> Go for the alliteration
3: by Jack Handy. <laughs>
0: You can't say that. I just took another sip. <laughs> oh my god!
2: Okay. So the other topic that we have to cover today, um, and we are going to specifically shout a couple of uh specific pieces, and there are more out there. These are. This is not a comprehensive list. Um, But this is a place where you should absolutely read these articles and listen to black voices on this. But the other major news that happened in in baseball this week is that Major League Baseball, and I put major air quotes around this, recognized the Negro Leagues as a major league, uh, as like sort of quote, equivalent to Major League Baseball. And therefore, for, you know, on the surface meaning, it means that they are incorporating, like, Negro League stats into historical records and kind of putting them on, again, air quotes, equal standing um, with Major League Baseball stats um, and historical records. Um, but, you know, the the reaction to this was decidedly mixed, I guess is the best way I could put it. Um, Again, you should specifically listen to Black writers on this. We have, uh, and we will put these, uh, we will put these pieces um, in the show notes and in the tweets for this episode, Um, but I do want to share, like, a couple of choice quotes from a couple of these pieces. Um, Howard Bryant of ESPN wrote a a really good piece um, about this, and uh, the title of the piece is, wait, hang on, MLB can add Negro Leagues to official records, but can never change what it did to black players. Um, basically emphasizing, like, you can't erase the history that was already there and just pat yourselves on the back because you did this. Um, and so he, he writes in that pe- in that piece, the decision was met with great applause, but in addition to being reconciliatory, it was always a spectacular display of historical distortion and institutional arrogance. So basically saying, not only are you trying to rewrite history here, um, and exercising re- revisionist history, you're also, like, MLB is so full of itself. Like, <laughs> and he writes later in the piece, they didn't need baseball's validation to be special, they meaning the Negro Leagues. Like, it's it's the arrogance of Major League Baseball to think, oh, we need to recognize you for you to be equal. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's it's a slap in the face. It's a slap in the face. Like, I understand the symbolic significance of including these records and you know that that should be but to say that oh you guys are equal now because we major league baseball say so and we are the arbiter of like what constitutes legitimate baseball leagues like screw you like come on now um and i'll read some more quotes um clinton yates of the undefeated wrote an absolutely fantastic piece on this that you guys should read um the title of that piece is and i'm flipping back to my other screen again excuse me mlb elevating the status of negro leagues is the problem not the solution Um, and subtitle is black baseball is not less than and will never be so it's kind of the point the same the same sort of theme saying major league baseball doesn't need to recognize the negro leagues for it to be a, a legitimate and equal baseball league um He wrote, there's a phrase coined likely by some old white guy that goes, winners write the history books. In the case of Major League Baseball, not only do they write the history books, but apparently they decide when everyone else's histories are legitimate, too. Um, And he goes on to say, of all the nonsense that the most duplicitously conservative sports league in the history of the United States of America has ever pulled, this might be the most ridiculous piece of soft supremacy we've ever seen. This announcement says, be grateful, we now view you as whole. Newsflash, that's the problem, not the solution. So again, the fact that Major League Baseball feels that they, that the Negro Leagues needs its stamp of approval in order to be considered legitimate is pretty ridiculous. Um, the Negro Leagues are their own thing entirely and are special on their own and should be considered something different and, and special without Major League Baseball saying that they are equal to Major League Baseball.
3: Um, and I, I've read one article, damn it, I can't remember which one it was, um, where they said, you know, you, you do this, but it's basically performative because they don't encourage like black culture in the sport. Like, you know, Tim Anderson bat flips and gets, you know, yelled at for it. Um, so it's like you're just doing this, what, to save face? Or, you know, just uh, you know, because it's you know the I don't wanna say the it thing to do, but you know I don't think they never would have even considered it if there hadn't been so many um, you know, protests and things and baseball, you know, taking a stand and but that came from the players. And baseball's done nothing to encourage the players taking a stand and um and brody god bless him the one thing he did right was getting caught on the hot mic saying they don't get it and they don't and it's it's sad that you know it's if black baseball players don't feel encouraged or welcomed in today's game then then what is this what what changes for them like yeah it's fine like, for the history books, but it's it's still, you still have so much work to do in today's game.
2: And, like, what are you doing to remedy these, these yeah. past injuries that you've inflicted upon this community? Like, what are you actually doing? No, nothing, basically. <laughs> right. So, like, they're they're trying to make themselves to be, like, the good guy now when they've been the bad guy for so long. And it's just, it doesn't sit right with people, and nor should it. Nor should no. it. No. Like, encourage more black
3: baseball players to get involved in the game. Why is there so few involved in the game? Encourage those who are who are in the game. Don't, like, shame them when they backflip. Let them, you know, embrace their culture and be who they are. And
0: until that happens... I was gonna say I was trying to interject and I totally didn't realize I had my my mic muted. Oh no, <laughs> muted for a second. Oh my god! But I was gonna say it goes back to what I was saying in that last part where it's just a very superficial gesture uh-huh. um, for people that don't want to go in in depth to their sport.
3: It's the easy um, thing to do.
0: It's the easy thing to do. That said, a very very thin silver lining is that hopefully it will make people go and research the negro leagues or like i went into my favorite bookstore over the weekend and saw a display that had a lot of prominent negro league books so hopefully it will inspire um people educating themselves more and seeing uh, just in particular for me the literature the body of literature that is out there because there is a significant amount for all ages um and i think it's quite wonderful personally that there is so much literature available um to pull from so uh, i i think i've mentioned this before but i'm a children's librarian so like there are particularly for children's books there's so much information that you can learn and it's a very easy way to learn it a lot of adults like say oh i don't want to read children's books but like it's really a great like introduction to things that someone may not understand um and it's very accessible and it's in language that people should be able to comprehend so and i did list a few books in our show notes i added them last minute so
1: yes maybe we can
0: post that maybe we can post that on twitter later they are all by black authors except for um which one uh the soul of baseball but that is from one of the sports writers in conjunction in conjunction with the player so yes yeah and i'll just i'll i'll quickly mention those titles it's the negro baseball leagues the tales of umpiring legendary players breaking barriers and making american history by bob motley who was an an umpire in the negro leagues unfortunately he passed away in 2017 i think at the age of 94 um the next one is Curveball, the remarkable story of Tony Stone, the first woman to play professional baseball in the Le- Negro Leagues, which I think that's particularly significant because the Negro Leagues showed its own open mindedness and progressiveness in allowing women into the sport in the first place, something which MLB has yet to do. Um, so that's that one. And then there's A Soul of Baseball, A Road Trip Through Buck O'Neill's America by Joe Posnanski. Um, and the last two are children's books, ones for middle grade called We Are the Ship by Kadir Nelson. And the last one is a children's book called Mamie on the Mound, A Woman in Baseball's Negro Leagues. So there you have two women already mentioned versus the zero in Major League Baseball. Just to point that out really quick. Nope. I f- I f- I found that detail particularly interesting. Yeah. When researching when researching um books on the Negro Leagues.
2: Yep. So you should definitely read those pieces that I mentioned and you should read those books and you yeah. should read Black Voices on all of this. And it's not just, you know, it's like we were saying, it's not just everything we've been talking about on this podcast with the Negro Leagues. It's the fact that MLB it's the fact that MLB is displaying this arrogance when there's still mm-hmm. significant inve- in in uh, there's still significant barriers, um, to,
0: and to racism
2: to black communities participating in baseball. Um, that mm-hmm. is resulting in a steady decline in the number of black players in the game. Um, shaky Ch- Taylor recently wrote about this for Yahoo sports. And I'll link that in the show notes also about, um, the barriers that remain to black to young black baseball players um, getting into the game and getting – she talked to Joe Adele for that piece, among others. Um, so that is also a really great piece that I think, you know, is relevant to this because it's showing that, you know, Major League Baseball is still not living up to what it should be, and yet it has the arrogance to say whether the Negro Leagues are legitimate. No. You know, walk the walk before legitimate. you do that. Please, like it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, you guys should be reading those pieces. There's so there's so many other voices out there that like we haven't that we haven't mentioned that you should be reading. Of course, friend of the pod Bradford William Davis always has insightful thoughts on all of this. Andrea Williams is a fantastic follow on Twitter. You should follow her. She's also has a um, she has a book coming out in January 2021 as well called Baseball's Leading Lady about Effa Manley, which I am very excited Ooh. about. Um, so yeah, uh, Let add me go add my yeah, add that to the reading list. Yeah, add that to the reading list. Um and she's a fantastic writer and she tweeted a lot of thoughts on this as well. So just there's a lot of voices out there that you should be following on this um, more than us. <laughs> but suffice it to yeah. say that um it deserved a mention on the pod and, you know, people I mean, have feelings. we
0: have we have a we have a platform to mention it and we want to make people aware of it. Even though we don't necessarily, no, we can't. Necess- we can't speak on the experience of a of a black baseball player, um, of a black person because we're all white.
2: Yep.
0: So, but we we do have the ability to provide the resources where you can learn about that, and I think that's a good thing. I would like to think that's a good thing. Yeah, like we
3: said, just do your research, read, yeah, and listen. Read that's the big thing. Read.
2: Yes. Reading is good. Um we are we are a pro-reading podcast. We are indeed. (laughs) Very pro-reading. Um you have two
0: librarians on this podcast. Of course we're pro-reading.
2: Um so we will again finish the show this week, like we always do, with walk-off wins, a special holiday edition of Walk Off Wins, since this will be hitting your feeds two days before Christmas. Um, where each of us talks about a making us happy this week baseball-related or otherwise, Linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week?
3: Uh, My walk-off win, um, well, I ordered insomnia cookies. This is a little bit of an adventure. Yay! Um, I ordered insomnia cookies. We're not going to tell you why she ordered
2: them. No,
3: Mm. no. Um, And for some reason, FedEx just... not like my new address because it has a dash in it and they always say it isn't real and so they weren't accepting my address and so I ordered it and I realized they didn't recognize the dash so then I had I chatted with them and told them to change the address to my parents house and I'll pick up the cookies there they said sure you'll get another confirmation which I did um my mom texted me like the next day saying cookies are here great fantastic got my cookies um but then the day after that three more boxes of cookies show up at my original address (laughs) (laughs) and I only ordered one box so I have no clue where these three boxes came from (laughs) um like that was never part of the plan that was never in the original order I don't know I was like I don't need three boxes of cookies So, coming back around to that, um, I finally got my furniture on that furniture that I ordered back in September. (laughs) I was like, this better be the nicest furniture I've ever seen in my entire life, considering how long it took to come in. And so, the guys were here, they were delivering it, and I was like, you know what, I don't need these cookies, so... Like, hey yeah, guys I have cookies do you want a box and they're like uh yeah sure I was like I promise you these are like the best cookies I've ever had I did tip them too I didn't I didn't <laughs> just give them cookies as a tip I want to make In that clear of a tip. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not cheap um so they're like oh yeah great thanks you know and they left and then they come back and I was like, oh, did you forget something? And they're like, we have a love seat. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, (laughs) do you want it? I was like, what? (laughs) And so they're like, yeah, the previous people didn't want, we're getting rid of it. And they're like, you know, it's in good condition. They're like, do you want it? I was like, okay. Free love seat. So, and I have a spare bedroom that had, like, nothing in it. So I was like, okay, sure. I'll put it in the spare bedroom. So... Somehow, a free box. I got three box, free boxes, three free boxes of cookies, and a free love seat in the span of like two days. <laughs> Amazing! And, That's fantastic. So I was like, you know, this stuff like that like never happens to me. And like it was, you know, it has to just be nice to well, people this did. time of year. Like they're working hard. I feel bad for these guys. Maddie, my cat, would not leave them alone while they were trying to set up my furniture. And so, it's, like, you know, be nice to, like, your delivery guys, your postal workers,
0: and, you know, it's just a nice thing to do. Your retail retail workers, your janitors.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The people who are, like, especially this year, the essential workers. Yeah. The postal service is
2: absolutely slammed, you guys. Like
0: yes yes it is
2: be patient and yes don't, don't get angry when your packages don't come before christmas they're trying yes. their best
0: they are trying their I mean, best and i i know around me um people we there are long lines but people also recognize that it's not the the postal worker that's in the post office it's not their fault yeah they would love to see they're trying like, a post. they're trying their best like, so. at my job,
3: I won't say why, but we had to go to a curbside recently. And it's like, we're not doing this to, like, make your life harder. There's a reason why we have to do this. Mm-hmm. And we're trying our best. Like, we're trying our best with the circumstances we were given. So that's everybody right now. We're all in weird circumstances. And everybody's just trying their best and, to get through it. So pack a little extra patience. Yes, but back to my walk up when I got free. <laughs> I got three co- free cookies and a free love seat. I'm good. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah,
2: and Maddie like, loves both of them. We all love free things, don't we, folks? That is Linda's. That's Linda's stimulus package. I don't know about that. Why <laughs> it probably costs more than the stimulus package. Literally worth more than the stimulus package. It's a nice love seat.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, and the Repu- off-topic, and we don't really talk the 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 federal government politics but republicans want trump to veto the stimulus package because
2: because
3: well now they're trying to push through two thousand dollars they're reintroducing a new bill for two thousand dollars so i think maybe that's why
2: yeah i mean oh they okay aoc 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 and rashida talib like co-wrote uh COVID amendment for two thousand dollar checks. So we'll yeah. see. I mean like there's gonna be a standoff about this. That will, no, you know, totally. affect, you know, my life because I am a federal employee. So if the government shuts down then I can't work. Anyway Oh no that's
3: way beside walk off we're happy, happy um, Yeah, sorry. Kelly I, and I Healy, I what is your
0: walk
2: off win for this week?
0: Um my walk off win comprises of multiple things, but it's kind of all in the same tangent. Um, I am officially finished with all of my programming at the library for the year. Yay! I won't lie, it was kind of, we all had to adapt to different circumstances for the pandemic. Um, So I went entirely virtual and learning the software and how to edit and upload and all of that nonsense. Um, But I constantly received so much support from the community and even last night i had a 3d snowman program for the kids and i had an email waiting in my inbox this morning saying um oh that her that the woman's child loved the program and she's already thinking of other things to craft and i had a phone call last night saying thank you for just providing this stuff i've never seen my kids This is the happiest my kids have been during the pandemic. Um, And actually, I got that today because I finally visited the girl I tutor. Um, I haven't seen her in a couple months. And I just I got to play with them and talk to them for a little while. And their mother said, oh, my God, this is the happiest I've seen them in a very long time. So um, just having such successful programming and successful interactions with the community really has Not just boosted my confidence, but really improved my general mood towards this year. So that is my walk-off win. The community I am in is amazing. Parents are fantastic. So are families. And so are the kids. (laughs) That's my walk-off win.
3: Oh, no, that's great. It's always good to hear things like that. Because you usually hear the complaints, not not the good stuff.
0: Yeah, and like I... I am just so touched that the parents take the time out to say that to me um, because I know like the first thing people go to are the negative reactions. So I've, I've honestly received so much positive feedback and it really makes me thrilled that so many families are getting so much, so much out of what I and other, my other coworkers are doing. So yes. Yes. That's my walk-off win. <laughs> and
2: yeah, I mean, our communities are, you know, really important right now. We need to hold those close because yes. we need Because um,
0: we're, we're all going through this together. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Um, and we need to treat it like a team sport because it is. Um, yes. Yes.
0: So, Allison, what is your walk-off win?
2: My walk-off win is that um, Michael and I got just picked up a bunch of supplies from local D.C. um, retailers for in preparation for our holiday at home this year. We are not traveling for Christmas, um, and we are staying here. We are Zooming each of our families, um, but we decided to bring some cheer into our lives and make it feel special by picking up some stuff from local places. So we picked up the other day, we picked up um, beer from one of the local breweries, curbside pickup. We picked up a holiday box of donuts from the local donut shop, um, DC Donuts, which is fantastic. We picked up bagels from the bagel place down the street. And, we pick, and just for today, we picked up uh, to celebrate because Michael's um, break started today, winter break from school. Yay! Um, so he's officially off for a couple weeks now. I only have, like, the official holidays off, but that's okay. Uh, um, I don't mind. Um, so we picked up um, sandwiches from the deli down the street, the really delicious deli down the street for lunch today. So we just picked up all of our, like, holiday supplies to – Um, treat ourselves during the holiday and make it feel special thanks and support small businesses so I feel really grateful that we were able to do that Um, and I'm just really grateful that even though Christmas is going to be a little different than each of us are used to that we can spend it together and that we are able to zoom our families and that it'll still be you know very nice Um, and I am grateful for um, for that and for the love in my life and everyone's health so just that in general. Um, And then I kind of have a second walk-off win, which is that I am really pumped out of my mind about the COVID vaccine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The fact that there is, even though like, I think people have, there are kind of two ends of the spectrum that are both wrong in my view about this. Um, There's the one end of the spectrum that is like obviously the anti-vax end of the spectrum that obviously I'm not gonna go into a whole rant about this, especially not during what is supposed to be a happy segment. But I mean, in some cases, the distrust of the medical community is completely understandable. Um, But in other cases, it's not, (laughs) honestly. Um, And so, you know, there's that end of the spectrum. But there's also the other end of the spectrum, which is just like, I'm going to get the shot in my arm and then I'm going to go back to immediately back to normal life. Like, everything is fine. Um, I think people have a misunderstanding of how that timeline is going to be. And we need to, people need to understand that just because you are immunized and you probably won't get COVID doesn't mean that you... Can go back to that. We can all go back to normal life because we need to achieve herd immunity first um, in order to stop community spread of COVID nineteen. So um, we kind of have to hold the horses on like opening up everything immediately. But the fact that there is a light at the end of the tunnel is still really, really nice. Um, People have already received the vaccine. In fact, there was a live stream as part of my work day today. I got to watch the live stream of Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci getting the COVID vaccine along with frontline um, NIH uh, clinical staff um, at the clinical center. Um, So the first round of NIH employees have received the shot today. Um, I think they got the Moderna shot. Um, And so it's just exciting that even though we're still... It's still long from over. Um, there's at least a light at the end of the tunnel now, whereas there was not before. And the fact that how hard these scientists worked to get this done is, like, it's beyond the scope of imagination that, man- that they've managed to develop this vaccine in this time period. It's honestly astounding. It is a feat of modern, modern medical science. Um, and I remain in awe of them. <laughs> it's really good stuff. and it And, like, I think what people don't understand about this vaccine is that not only is it is it great that obviously it will you know do its part to end this current pandemic it will change how we do vaccines going forward the new technology in this vaccine will be the basis for probably every new vaccine moving forward yay the um, mrna yeah the mrna vaccine is the new gold standard now if if this proves to be as effective as it was in trials um, it will be the new gold standard for for vaccine technology, and that is truly incredible. Um, and, and it will uh, make it I, make other vaccines easier to develop in the future. which is awesome.
0: Now, not only that, um, I was speaking with a pediatric nurse last night about it um, and she's like she was so excited about the mrna aspect of it just because it would um, it would I think she was saying that it would negate the need for like other um, elements that would be used to preserve or surround. From what I understand, I'm not a medical expert. I'm just trying to like think about what she said. Like other, I guess, preservatives like aluminum. I don't know what uh, what goes into a vaccine, but this would negate some of the aspects that people might fear or people uh, take issue with. So she and she was just very excited about that.
2: Yeah, she's <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Oh. Hey. She's right. Uh, Previous vaccines, so um, so previous vaccines usually required some sort of live or attenuated virus. So, if in the case of like coronavirus, it would either be like the actual, a little bit of the actual virus, or a like an attenuated version they call it, which means the it's it's the virus but it's not quote alive. So to speak, it's like a dead form of a virus um, yes. because your your body needs to build up immunity to the components of the virus, right? Um, this specifically the spike proteins. If you guys if you guys have seen pictures of the coronavirus in cartoon or like microscope. It has those little spiky things pointing out of it. Those are the spike proteins and that's what it uses to get inside your cells and infect you. Um, So that's what your antibodies are reacting against when you're building immunity to the virus. What the amazing thing about mRNA technology is that mRNA is basically the building block that the virus uses to make those spike proteins so it's the sequence of the of the like of the viral dna but it's rna because you know the central dogma of biology that you learned in ninth grade right it's dna is the template and then it makes the messenger rna the molecule that the the ribosome then uses to transcribe it into proteins to make it into proteins make it into those spike proteins so basically it's taking the messenger the nucleic acid and it is putting that in the vaccine instead. So it's- The don't ribonucleic need, acid. You don't actually <laughs> need, you don't need the actual live or attenuated virus anymore. It, so it's no longer a biological. It is just straight up like synthesizing nucleic acids, which, which we've already known how to do for a really long time. And it's a hell of a lot easier to do than getting live virus into a vaccine. Um, yes. And it's safer. And it's easier to distribute. Like the list goes on and on. You don't need as many preservatives. Like Kellyanne was mentioning, her nurse friends said to her, "You don't need all these preservatives. It's much, much easier to just synthetically produce these mRNA molecules, and then your and then your body builds up the immunity to the, to, to the spike proteins because it's the sequence it uses to make the spike proteins. It's very cool stuff, you guys. Science. Yay! Um, <laughs> Science." Yay science so i'm just very psyched about the covid vaccine because not only does it mean a light at the end of the tunnel it's just super it it allows me to nerd out because it's like a completely revolutionary way of doing vaccines and it's very cool so i'm very psyched um and i'm psyched that they've been so effective 95 percent effective is pretty good you guys um
0: yeah i was gonna (laughs) say i'm glad to see that thus far
2: Oh, and one more caveat, while I get on my scientist' soapbox. One more small caveat. Um, I, there's been a lot of things going around the news lately about new like variants of the virus that have mutated, which is freaking people out because as you guys know, um, the ability, how how often you need booster shots or need a new vaccine depends on how fast the virus mutates, right? So like flu, for example, mutates a lot and it mutates like we need a new vaccine every year. That's why you always have to get the flu shot every year. Um, and there, there's like a lot of stuff coming out about how there's like new coronavirus variants in England that have a lot of mutations in them. Um, so it's freaking people out about the like lasting power of the vaccine and thinking, oh, wait. but it's,
0: it's not on the main protein, is from what I'm talking out of exactly. my butt right now. But from what it is, it's that the main protein that the vaccine kind of is based on is not affected by this right now. Exactly. So the vaccine covers what's there right now.
2: Exactly. So don't freak out yet. That's not to say that it, like, <laughs> that's not to say that the, the shot will definitely last forever and ever. We still don't know. Um, but don't freak out about these new, um, these new viruses. Um, the, the spike protein sequence is still the same or almost, or almost the same. And so the shot should still be effective um, against those. Um, the reason why flu, for example, is a lot tougher is because you guys might know when they name the flu vaccines, they call them like H1N1. It's because they have different two different spike proteins at the same time and those have numbers and so that's why and there can be different combinations of them and that's why it's so hard to vaccinate against whereas coronavirus just has this one same spike protein so like when you when you see the different flu numbers like h2 and 9 that's one i made up um, I don't know if there's one that exists like that, but I'm not a virologist, sorry. But, like, it means that there's the, – that, like, the H is the second one and the the N is the ninth one. There there are two different proteins happening at the same time, and they're both different variants. So that's why there's so many different flu vaccines and so many different flu strains. Um, it's because of the spike proteins. Fun facts. So I'm to turn this into a science lesson, but that is my walk-off <laughs> win. Um, it's just – bunkering down at home but grateful for it because we have our local dc treats and our families virtually um and grateful for the covid vaccine um so that's still
0: wear your masks wash your hands
2: yes wear your masks wash your hands please so um i hope everyone has a wonderful holiday whatever that means for you this year um you know we 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 should all be grateful for the things that we have this holiday season. And remember that that is the spirit of the holiday season. Um, And we will get through this. It will be okay. (laughs) Um, So I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday. Um, We will be back in the new year. And our next episode is the 69th episode. So it is a very nice episode of the pod, (laughs) and therefore we will have a very special show in store for you. I won't ruin it yet, but it's gonna be pretty freaking awesome, so keep an eye out on our Twitter for details on that. Um, In the meantime, you can go to amazingavenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content. We're on top of all these off-season rumors. Anytime there's a signing, we're on top of it immediately. Um, We have editorials on all the various uh things that the Mets could continue to do to improve their team and we have morning news posts every day as always so you should check out all of that you can follow amazing avenue on twitter facebook and instagram at amazing avenue you can follow this show on twitter at a pot of their own and you can follow Linda and I on twitter I am at petite phd where are you Linda i Linda Serovich. And you can find Kellyanne in the Amazing Avenue comments. <laughs> you should subscribe to this podcast and all of our other suite of pods. If you have not already, please subscribe to Amazing Avenue Audio on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Rate and review the podcast. It really helps people find the show. The intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy
0: holidays. And happy new year 2021. May <laughs> get here quickly.
2: Get here quickly.